Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. To the people that have done this, your time is running out. You will be found and you will be dragged before court. The small businesses we know in every sector that are being hit here. Do we want all those local little cafes gone? Our differences should be celebrated. It's something to embrace. Different backgrounds, different races. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We had a winner yesterday from the 10K toy giveaway. The opinion line qualifier went through and won last evening with Lorraine. We'll do it again uh, after 10, I think we're doing it this morning. After 10, another round of the 10K toy giveaway. There were two contrasting stories from the World Cup yesterday, both of them to do with national anthems. The national anthem of Iran was one story. Jerry Bottomer tweeting, when many more people tweeting, the Iranian players kept their mouths shut, didn't sing a word of their national anthem. And with Iran being the kind of country that it is, they could be in very serious trouble with their government in Iran for not doing that. I mean, serious trouble with the government in Iran for refusing to sing the anthem. A lot more trouble than you might be for wearing an armband during a match. The other national anthem story was, and I tuned in last evening to watch the Wales versus America game. Uh, just to catch a, a bit of an atmosphere and, you know, watch a bit of football. Well, did you see the Welsh belting out Land of My Fathers and giving it holly in row Z? It was just to watch them. I mean, is there a country in the world that loves and performs and bellows out their anthem like the Welsh? They'd put our crowd to shame. I'm sorry now, but even on All-Ireland Final Day, our on the Vian is nothing like Land of My Fathers from a full stadium of Welsh people. And it was brilliant last night. So there's two contrasting stories with um, with uh, national anthems at the World Cup yesterday. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text of WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. It was Alex Jackson who won with us on the show yesterday in the 10k toy giveaway not the look 
it's the time of year when the evenings are drawing in if they haven't drawn in already and the children are home from school and you're wondering what should I do with them should I let them go and play in the last of the light or do we sit down and do that homework and it opens up the whole homework debate again we put up a Facebook post last night on homework. Many people say that homework should be scrapped, done away with, banned. It does no good for the child. It's it's of no use. There's research study after research study that says it's no use. There's also the other approach that says, well, it's a life skill. Bringing work home is a life skill. If you don't learn it at the age of seven, how will you do it at the age of 27? It's an old debate. We put up a, a Facebook post last night uh, tweet from a mum. Any teachers on here? Is it a feasible option for me to tell my child's teacher will be opting out of homework? The stress it's causing isn't worth it. He put it perfectly himself. I'm learning all day. I just want to play and relax my brain at home. Homework is such nonsense. We got some good responses on that on Facebook. I'll tell you about them in a little while. But let's go to Jen Hogan, a columnist with the Irish Times, mum of seven. And Jen, you and I have spoken before about homework. I think it's fair to say you'd do away with it tomorrow if you could. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. It will be on my to- my tombstone. God, but she hated homework. I mm-hmm. swear to it is time for it to go. And that child has obviously has wisdom beyond his years because the whole idea of sending a child home to do more homework after being sitting still, focusing, learning all day is just crazy. And you said it there about this life skill and if you can't do it at 10, maybe not being able to do it at 27. You shouldn't be bringing homework at 27. I know people do this, but you shouldn't be bringing homework. We have a really unhealthy work, rest and play balance as adults typically. It's the cause of so many other problems going on in people's lives. The idea that we would instill this really bad habit in children and as you pointed out, the research says we're absolutely well, little to no academic benefit is, is just crazy. We should be instilling healthy practices, not encouraging them to do more work when they're at home and go completely against what's natural and normal for children. And we need to get them outdoors in the limited light that we have. Do you know what time I finished my last little bit of work-related stuff last evening, mm-hmm. Jen? Oh, I can imagine. I can only imagine. 20 to 10. Mm-hmm. But that's not Have it, when, when did you When did you write your last column? Was it, was it daytime uh, or nighttime? Oh, no. I'm sitting there at midnight sometimes, right? And it's, it's a really bad habit. Like, yes, I, it is. It's not, but it's, it's not something I want to be encouraged. The world yeah. isn't an ideal place, and the world is never going to say to us, ever, 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 Jen, it's not going to say that going home at five o'clock and not coming in till nine the following morning, the world is never going to work like that. So well, that's what I meant by a life skill. When we talk about this quiet quitting, which took over, and really all it was was people working the hours that they were paid, that maybe there's something in that and something that we should be aspiring to. Not being inflexible. You know, there's always the odd time where there's occasions, but it's a regular thing for you and me. Some of that is dictated by the industry that we work in, yes. and it kind of goes with the job, yes. and it's, it's something that you have to take on mind. I'm also, I suppose, working around the kids too, so I'm trying to be available to them. I tell you, I could work much more sociable hours if I didn't have to spend my afternoons and evenings supervising and battling with them to do homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, look, I've got a friend who, who at the time was working in supply chain, mm-hmm. took a call on his wedding day. So I know how busy this can get, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's the reality of life. But I think sending them home and you and I have discussed this before and differed on it. 
-hmm. There's nothing wrong with a bit of memory exercise, a few spellings, a few sums, a little bit of reading, maybe practicing their handwriting. There's nothing wrong with that, Jen. Well, I disagree. I mean, the reading, I, I'd love that we got to a stage where children were reading for pleasure again. That's not happening. It's, homework has become such a negative thing that a lot of children don't read for pleasure anymore. And if we could, mm -hmm. if we could get them back to doing that, that would be a fabulous thing. That would be a wonderful that's, I suppose that's the goal for lots of parents and for lots of people, that we get children reading for pleasure again. Mm -hmm. So encouraging reading is great. Perhaps if we could let children read the things that interest them, it might be wonderful. I remember at one stage, one of my kids was reading Captain Underpants, and I got a note home from the school telling me this was unsuitable reading material for a small boy. And they're going, he's reading. It's about Captain Underpants. And it oh, I'm totally exactly with you like there. Completely you know? with you there, Jen. Yeah. I don't care what. The, I mean, I, I was at home reading the, the Secret Seven show me age now, yeah. the secret seven and the, <laughs> and the famous five and all of those things, yeah. whereas in school it was much more, you know, predi pre pre what's the word, predictable tones, yeah. you know, and if, the, yeah, but the skill of reading, the, the, it's a, it is a pleasure, it's the greatest pleasure you can give a yeah. child, but it's a skill as well, Jen. It, it's a skill and it does need to be practiced and it is it is a separate thing I think largely to homework but a lot of us read I suppose we didn't have consoles we didn't have on-demand TV where you could watch whatever it was you wanted at whatever time so we read anyway for pleasure I think people children well I mean even yesterday's report shows that children are reading an awful lot less now than they used to so that is something that would be great to turn around the memory exercises the tables these are I mean these are vital in terms of maths and I'm somebody who many moons ago used to teach maths so I do, there is there is merit in that, but there's very different ways that you can teach maths, very different ways. And going home and just reciting them off isn't necessarily the most productive way to learn your tables. For some children it'll work, for others it won't. But there is, I will accept there is, there is absolute merit in knowing your tables going forward. Well, and it's, it's not even the knowing of it. the tables, Jen, okay? You're a journalist, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things you have is a, is a head full of contacts, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. where, yep. did, did, where did you learn to memorize contacts? You learned it at the basics of 2 plus 2 is 4. That's where it, that the learning of data and the store, storing of data in the human brain is learned as a child through tables. But, but they learn different ways as well. Like children learn through play. Play is their work and it should be their work and we're stopping them from doing it. We're, we're facing into a childhood obesity epidemic. Like we, it is a huge problem whether we're, we're prepared to acknowledge this or not. And eat less, move more is, is not, is not ref enough of, it's not reflective of how complex an issue yeah. it is. Yeah. But we're not giving them the opportunity to play. And get outside and, and move. And, and most of the exercise we'd have had when we were children was playing outside. I know there's structured sports, but that's if you're, if you're comfortable enough and wealthy enough to afford them. And particularly in the middle of, of a cost of living crisis, not everybody can afford to sign their children up to sports. And that can cost huge, that, that, the cost there can vary hugely across mm. the country. But it's about giving children the time to do the things that float their boat. You know, every child, academics isn't for every child. And even for the children, it is. I mean, I have a mixed bag here. I have children who, find school super easy I have some who resisted every step of the way for every single one of my children regardless of their academic ability I disagree with homework with every fibre of my being it is the research has proven it to be pointless and we continue to do it because it's tradition and because some parents believe it's the measure of the school and measure of the teacher and we can argue about consolidation and we can argue about all the different things that it offers but the research says it doesn't what research? 
But the, well, there was research carried out by Duke University in Sydney for one, and that was very, um, very extensive. And that showed that at best it made no difference and at worst it was counterproductive because it created this dislike for schools from a very young age and this negative attitude towards education from a very young age. And if that's what we're doing, then we're failing. You know, we're supposed to learn, move on, take these lessons with us. Instead, we're aware of this. There's been other studies carried out in England and or in the US, um, other studies even in, in um, Australia as well itself. And all, they all point to the same thing. There is, unfortunately, there is merit in homework in secondary school. That's a different mm-hmm. situation. Um, whether we should be giving them the volume that they're getting and look at the, the fallout from that where we have teenagers dropping out of sport and activities mm-hmm. in huge numbers, that's, that's a separate argument. But the research would suggest there is academic benefit there and our course is mm-hmm. crazy and so extensive. There is a requirement mm-hmm. for them to do it. But there is no evidence to back up homework. In fact, it's completely to the contrary. And yet we continue to do it because of tradition and because of parents and teachers' unwillingness to to move with the times and move with the research. Let's let's pick that apart, though, what you just said. And yes, mm-hmm. there are research study upon research studies showing that in primary school itself, there's yes. no given benefit to homework, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's accept that. Also, there's an acceptance that in secondary school, an amount of homework is necessary, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you come through your entire primary school and you've never done homework and mm-hmm. you're faced with it in first year of secondary school, you're behind before you start. You're not, PJ, because it's a totally different skill set anyway required to do homework in secondary school. And children learn lots of new things in secondary school that they never did in primary school. I mean, they're picking up a lot of them are picking up a, a European language for the first time. Or they're learning to navigate the school and lockers and classes at different stages. They, they, there's so much that they learn and they learn very well and very effectively. They can learn how to do homework, which, as I said, is very different anyway. It's a completely different animal in secondary school to primary school anyhow so they just learn that along with everything else there's no point in pushing things on children from a younger age because you'll have to be able to do it when you're a little bit older being that little bit older Mm. means they have that little bit of maturity to manage it better then too this is going to sound like a very ridiculous comparison but you have your all of your when did you teach them to tie their shoelaces at different stages, funnily enough. And the reason for that was because there's so many of them. There's always somebody else to do the younger Would, would it have been four or five? <laughs> no, probably a little bit older. Six, um, say. I can't even remember. That's a good question. Okay. So yeah. let, let's let's take it as a basic, right? Probably later, though, people, Eight. because with okay. Velcro. With Velcro now, there's been less oh, need sure for I parents know, to do it. But let's, 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 let's imagine a world without Velcro. So you yeah. learn to tie your shoelace. You learn yeah. to tie your shoelaces at seven or eight years of age. Yeah. And it takes time. God, it takes time. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. picking it up at 12. Yeah, I got but what else if you pick it up at 12 or you do it at 8? It, it, it's more hassle if you're only learning it at 12 because you've got to get somebody to do it for you between 8 and 12 or 7 and 12. So at 12, but, if you yeah. pick up a bunch of homework for the first time, it's more hassle because you've never learned how to organise your no, homework. More hassle for the number of years that you weren't able to do it, I mean. That's yeah. all. Not at 12. Yeah, 12 chances are you're... you're um, 
dexterity with it, even within your fingers is probably stronger and you probably pick it up a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, they talk about forcing children to read from a very young age and how I think in, in Europe it's around seven by the time they properly approach um, formal education. It's, it's much more play-based in the younger years. Yeah. And there's a study which I, I believe shows that most children, um, all kind of going along a similar grade, read at a similar level in and around the age of seven. So we're pushing our kids to do things sooner than we need. You see the competition with potty training, if we're going to bring it back there, if there's an obsession about what age are they doing at. Does it really matter if they're two or three? Does it matter? It doesn't really mm. matter. Most children will be potty trained by the time they're five. Yeah. What about just one, one, one last one, and it's this. I know when I was a young fellow doing, doing homework, and when my children were doing their homework, it was a great opportunity for me and mm-hmm. their, their mother as parents to see what they were doing and how they were doing at it. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, you know, it's really important that parents are actively involved in their children's education. Unfortunately, it's not as easy for some parents to be involved in their children's education. One in four adults has literacy difficulties. One in, or sorry, one in six adults has literacy difficulties. One in four has numeracy difficulties. So if we take that at home, not every parent can see how their children are getting along because perhaps they don't understand the concepts themselves or have difficulty with the concepts themselves. Yeah. But there is absolute merit in seeing that. But there's no reason the books couldn't come home or if the teachers are freed up, perhaps a regular update as to how Mary or Johnny is getting on, flagging any particular difficulty so that it can be a approached at home at a time that suits not at the end of a day where maybe parents have been in work all day everybody's frazzled, children are, have been focused in school all day there's an option to, to play, spend a bit of time to get quality time together as a family or there's an option for homework battles it's not productive at that mm-hmm. time so it, it, it is important that parents keep on, to- on top of things if they can, um, but those books can come home or notes can come home or regular meetings all of which would be a possibility if teachers weren't caught up having to correct homework can I throw the curveball? Go on. <laughs> Particularly as a mammy of seven, Jen. How much yeah. of this would have been about making it easier for mom? Yeah, well, you know what? I think homework may be a feminist issue here too because it's mammy who is doing the homework most of the time. And yes, the volume of homework, it probably means I'm doing it over a longer period of time because by the time they get to secondary school, it's a different story. Most of them are doing it pretty independently unless they need a bit of help with maths or something there um, or French or something. But no, it's not. It, this has been from, from when I had just a couple of children, socially acceptable numbers. I was very much against them. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, you were really, PJ. Everybody thinks of <laughs> No. <laughs> I just wonder where you get the energy. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I spent most of my life in a state of chaos going, please, please, let there be some break today. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> gotcha. Jen, listen, always a pleasure. And we're not going to agree on this one, but you have started a conversation and I want to try to con- continue it. Jen Hogan uh, from the Irish Times, mom of seven. Thanks, Jen. Always great to have you on the opinion line. Look, there are two or three or four different angles to this whole homework debate. Let us have a conversation about it, shall we? 0818 96 96 96. Jen would eliminate it tomorrow. I think it's an important life skill. And if you don't start learning it at five, six or seven in a little way, in a little way, you're not doing a PhD. You don't need to come home with hours of homework. But you've got to start young. You've got to start early. Where do you stand on this one? Let's get a, let's kick it off. The morning. 
Cork's 96FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The 10K Toy Giveaway is on. Got, got, got a pocket full of cash we can blow we're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long. Go cash, go, go cash. Cash. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Quartz 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. Listen and win every day. Only on Quartz 96 FM. So Jen, who's a mom of seven, would eliminate housework or homework. Housework. <laughs> homework if she could in the morning because she feels it's unnecessary and she says that the research is there to say it has no benefit in primary school. Sharon, you're a mum of five and you take a different view. Morning. I do. Good morning. Well, I'd like to eliminate housework as well, actually, if we're going to talk so about that. <laughs> but the homework, no, I, I'd want to keep the homework. Um, and there's a few reasons. I, I, do, I do feel that the parents got a, some sort of responsibility to the children to be involved in the homework, to be involved in the schoolwork. And I think the homework gives us a chance to have that connection with the school, to have an idea of what the kids are doing, how well they're doing, how bad they're doing. I've got a parent-teacher meeting now with the primary school um, teachers this morning, or this afternoon, and when they talk about the work, I'll have an idea of what they're talking about. It won't be all new to me. Mm. I see when my husband comes in the evening, he, he'll do a little bit of homework here and there. But sometimes if I say, would you do the, we didn't do the homework today with the twins, could you do the senior infants homework? He looks at it and he hasn't got a clue what he's doing because he doesn't do it on a regular basis or he doesn't touch base enough. He'd do the, the secondary school homework if they're struggling with maths or whatever um, sometimes and he'd have a better idea about that. Yeah. But it just goes to show when he's not involved in the, the primary school homework uh, as much. He hasn't got a clue. He hasn't got a clue what, the, what they're doing, what they're talking about, mm. how to do it. I, I, I enjoy now. I don't love doing homework every day, and I would love to have someone else do it for me. But when I do do the homework with them, they love when I show an interest. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. When they're doing things well, they love me to say how wonderful they're doing. And likewise, when they're, when they're struggling, they love to get a hand to get that bit of work done. It can't fall on the teacher, I don't think, to correct the children on every aspect of their work. Like, mm-hmm. one or two kids might fall down in the reading or might fall down in the spellings. And if the parents give a hand to get those kids up to speed with those bits, it makes it easier. It doesn't give the teacher a fantastic time at her job. It just makes it a little bit easier for dealing with, you know, 25, 30 kids in the class, especially little ones that need a bit more one-on-one. What, 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 what about the easier. stacks of research, as Jen quotes it, and others are quoting it, uh, that there is research out there that says in primary school... It serves no purpose. This has been an ongoing discussion for years. And there's a reason why they haven't scrapped homework. Because I think it is beneficial. Um, And I agree with you, you said a while ago about how it gives them the the tools going on to secondary school to organise themselves, time management, how to knuckle down, how to focus, Mm. how to pay attention to things. Uh, It's a build-up. And like I said, even with the shoelaces, if you showed a 12-year-old how to tie the shoelaces... Uh, one day, they're not going to pick it up straight away. They, they'd, they'd have picked it up if they showed them like once in a while over the years, they'd pick it up gradually and when they're 12, they'd be able to do it a lot easier and quicker because they've been shown it along the way. I think when they get to secondary school, the parents aren't as involved and that's great because I think they've had uh, over the years, they've, they've had a bit of help and it's, it's built up over the years. I've seen your infants' kids. I do a lot more work with them than I do with the fifth class child. But the fifth class child has been built up over the years being able to do the homework by herself. She doesn't ask for help as much anymore, but mm-hmm. I am there. 
if she wants a helping hand with something. And, 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 and Sharon, what do you think she has learned when she gets to fifth class and she can do her own her own thing? Obviously, reach out for help if she needs it. But yes. what has she learned, do you think? Independence, a bit of responsibility. She knows that she's responsible for getting the work done. If it's not done, you know, the, she's going to fall behind. She's not able to do things. Mm. She's learned that if she it does a bit of practice, a little bit of practice. Now, I'm talking about, like... With the, with the senior women's kids, you're talking 15, 20 minutes after yeah. school with them. It's a small bit. Yeah. Beyond, the fifth class kids don't have much more. She'd have her homework done within the half an hour. Right. Absolutely within a half an hour. I'd say even 20 minutes. She's quite diligent now with doing her work as well. It's great. But we're not talking like an hour with each child every day. Yes. It's a small amount and it's built up over time then as well. Yes. Now, that, again, coming back to the research that people quote, is it do you think as a parent you know her better than anybody do, yes. do you think as a parent it is enhancing her education or adding little or nothing to her education no, or is she absolutely just learning it enhancing it absolutely it gives them a chance to do the work as well away from teacher away from the classmates away from cogging the next person next child beside them's homework or work inside in school it gives them a chance to see it's like like a little test in the evening to see what they don't know, where they're falling down. She, the fifth, fifth class child now will say to me, can you check my spellings? She knows which ones she knows, and she knows that, she, it, that there's a couple there she doesn't know, and she knows she needs to practice them a little bit. Same with the times tables, and even going back to the reading. Yeah, they might not enjoy the little readers that they bring home, but I think it it's by streamlining what the kids are all reading in school. The books that they have, I'm sure they're built around phonics and the types of words that they're using. Sure. So many kids are using, like, text messages. I mean, geez, you can't even read the text messages. It's so abbreviated. <laughs> it's like a different language. Yes. They're not learning proper English with the way they're texting. So at least with the reading, it's, it's, it's proper English. But also... Yeah. The teacher, definitely in our school anyway, they're always encouraging us to um, get the kids to read anything. It is the Captain Underpants books, it is the David Williams books, it is the Howard Henry books. They're fun and it's extra reading, but that's up to the parents, I think, and the kids to do that reading in the evenings, at the weekends, during the holidays. But during school, they're all reading the same type of book. Yeah. La- last, lastly, Sharon, before I let you go, the, the, the message that came in initially that we started this conversation with was, he puts it perfectly himself, I'm learning all day, I just want to play and relax my brain at home. The argument being that it's stressful enough for children to have to sit in a classroom and be talked at from 9am to 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and when they come home, they should just play and chill out. Well, first of all, when they come home, it should be a less stressful environment anyway. It's only a small amount of work that they're looking to recap over, and there's plenty enough time later on in the day. And all begin. There's only homework four nights of the week. I mean, it's not a lot to ask for out of the entire week. And also, the kids are in school, yes, a long enough time during the day. I don't see why the parent or the carer shouldn't pay 20 minutes interest in the child's work after school for four afternoons. It's not a lot to ask out of us, I don't think. All right, leave it there. Thank you very much, Sharon. So Val, Val, Val you're a teacher, uh, primary or secondary teacher? Yeah, I am. I'm teaching in Fallon College. Um, I've got two kids, uh, one in senior infants and one in fourth class. And I think the lockdown showed to me how much of benefit it would be for them not to have homework. Um, we weren't under pressure to get the homework done. My daughter in fourth class now with about an hour every day it's taking her. Mm-hmm. So when you when you put that in with the um, after school activities like swimming classes and all that kind of stuff, 
it puts her under an awful lot of pressure. And I'm there and I sit with her for the hour. I'm lucky to be in that situation, but I can be there as a parent for her. But I feel like if they didn't have that quantity at homework, if it was just a bit of reading at home, then the kids would benefit from us being able to go to the park or do things together as a family. And I totally understand that not every parent would do that. Mm. But I feel since having had that experience with lockdown where they had the homeschooling, they got all their work done by 2.30, we were able to go out and do things as a family. Would you do away with it then, Val, if you had your way? Um, Or reduce it? uh, I think there is a certain benefit to it. As as, um, Sharon said, you know, having that connection with the school and knowing what they're doing is important. But I feel like the kids will tell you these things if they're in the middle of play anyway. Um, They're starting doing their Christmas concerts and my my five-year-old has come home saying, oh, mommy, we're doing this song and I ask him what it is. And so I get a lot of information and connection with him that way. And he, you know, doesn't have to be sitting down for formal kind of 20 minutes, one hour as they get into fourth, fifth and sixth class. Mm. Um, And they're growing up into a world that will require a certain amount of formality and planning and time management and that kind of skill and where better to learn it than as a child they, they learn it in other, in other ways it doesn't have to be formal you know I mean we, even as adults we learn things um, by doing stuff and engaging with other people and socialising with other people that give us those skills Yeah. then again the best musicians in the world they picked up their first musical instrument as a child. They practice hard. The best swimmers, the best athletes, the best anything in the world started it as a child. And it was hard work. Yeah, and I, I, I would totally agree that there is an element of hard work. And my, my daughter has, is learning piano and she practices every day. And, you know, sometimes we find it a struggle to get that practice in, but she enjoys it. Yeah. You know, I, I think homework, especially after having a long day at school, um, makes it more difficult and I suppose I'm, I'm in a situation where my daughter is um, has been diagnosed with ASD so for her the homework on top of having yeah. done... There's an additional consideration there. Yeah, yeah. No, she's addition. very good and, 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 and we, we do do it and I, from day one I would have gotten her into that routine of doing it and I, I see that benefit but I just feel there's probably too much there and it's taking over their lives. They don't get to be kids. They don't get to have the other experiences because life is so busy. Okay. All right. Thank you, Val. 0818969696. Uh, before I go to another break, Finbar. Uh, how's it going, PJ? Good, good. Your thoughts on this, sir? Uh, I completely agree with the first lady at on after uh, after Jed Hogan. It's, it's four nights a week. 20 minutes a night it's well worth doing it's beneficial for them it's beneficial for the parents it's um, it's brilliant I think homework is great uh, we only have the one kid doing homework the the little girl's not even two yet but uh, the boy is seven he's in first class Uh, 20 minutes four nights a week I think we take turns doing it and um, it's great that we can see what he's learning and or if he's stuck in anything you know so like there's a huge benefit to it there's yeah. like 20 minutes a day and like there's still loads of time to be a kid loads of time to be a kid mm. yeah you know yeah. and he, he does he does lots of reading for pleasure anyway as well so I think most kids 
kids would pick up a book or a book on the basics, any kind of book, you know. So, so you'd be in time to hold on to it, given a choice? Absolutely, of course. But like these, these uh, studies too, PJ, you know, like they financial people want the answer for, you know. You could, you could find a study to say that it is beneficial, you know. And if, if it wasn't beneficial, they would have got rid of it a long time ago. Yeah. Come here to me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm being told here that you've had a bit of a nightmare in the tunnel this morning. Uh, no, just getting off like, since the new road. You know the back road of Little Island, say, when you pass Cork Arms over your head into the tunnel that way? Yeah. Do you know the new flyover coming, say, from the Gwales Gold that goes on to Little Island? I haven't been over it yet, but I know what you're talking about, yeah? That's getting all the traffic now heading towards the tunnel. It's getting a lot of traffic, you know, from Glamour instead of going through or village, a lot of cars are coming that way, so right. it's just adding a bit of traffic there. But like, when the whole thing is free flow, it's going to be brilliant. There was a bunch of things changed at the weekend, and has there been any benefit to that? Um, no, because not really, because the lights are still there. Like when the lights are done and it's all finished, I think it's going to be fabulous. Like, yeah. it'll, like I remember there, like coming back from Kinsale for about four years in a row. And you'd hit Cork Airport at 6 o'clock, and it could be 7 o'clock when we're back in this island. That's true. You know? That's true. That's well, true. I remember getting a bus home from the airport. Thanks, Finbar. I remember getting a bus home from the airport one December. I was in London, and I got in on a Friday evening at about 5 o'clock, and I came out and I got a bus, and I don't know what time I got home. I just don't know what time I got home. 0818 96 96 96. Um, Morris, in Finland, Finland, they've done away with children doing any homework. They see it as dumbing children down and making them unhappy. They believe classroom exercises are enough. The kids in the country, in that country, are in school all day. That should be enough. I think giving homework to children is more about giving illiterate adults lessons than anyone else. Okay. Uh, Kids need to do homework. Some are way behind over the COVID. If they don't catch up, they'll be behind forever and chasing their tails. Uh, Getting rid of homework is ridiculous. What about when people have to study for exams and write college essays? How can a child cope with study after school in secondary school and write essays in college if they've never done it in primary school? Another one, homework should be done away with. I don't bring my work home with me, nor will my child be bringing schoolwork home. I think homework is a good way to just make sure the child understands what was taught in class. It gives parents some time to bond with their child, especially in this digital age. I know homework is a pain, but if I didn't have homework from a low-interaction, low-wage house, I'd have had an hour extra in front of the telly, and I'd never have been able to do homework in secondary school, or learnt to put that time away to do some learning, or know how to study, because I wouldn't have had to memorise anything. Hi PJ, homework is welcome, but should be limited. My son is the brightest, but doesn't have any time to play. He's in the secondary school. I agree with the point of view of encouraging obesity. The volume of homework definitely needs to be addressed. That's from from Gay. And then Emma. Oh, God, Emma, I feel for you. Try doing homework with a five-year-old in a Gale school as a parent without a word of Irish. That's tough. I wish I'd listened in my Irish classes 20 years ago. I would. Maybe I'm wrong here. I thought it was unusual for parents who don't have any Irish themselves to send their children to a Gale school. Is it? My two didn't go near a Gale school, but I'm, and I know a lot of kids do. But I'm wondering if the parents aren't big into the Irish, why you would send a child to a Gale school. Another, another, another topic entirely. But we'll pause homework for a bit. We can come back to it because big reaction to it as I figured that there would be. Do away with it, like Jen Hogan says. Hold on to it 
as Sharon says, or somewhere in between. 0818969696. Is our love for belters only making you feel good? Or has Lewis Capaldi got you thinking, forget him? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Sarah, you're a teacher and you've mixed views. Morning. Hi, PJ. Hi. Excuse me. Yes, I'm listening with great interest. Um, I Myself, I'm working in a mainstream primary and my own children would also have uh, dyslexia. So right. I can see from both sides. Yes. And my children come home from school exhausted because on average a child with additional learning needs they have to work maybe 30% harder in school every day just to keep up and with everybody else and then to come home in the evening and to be faced in with another hour 40 minutes to an hour of what they've just been doing in school is just stressful it's exhausting Um, and everybody involved I don't see the value in standard homework for um, children but I absolutely do think they do need reading homework uh, possibly a little bit of phonics as well but after that I don't think it adds to their development when I have no homework at home in the evening I have different children they are so much happier and we go off we then have time to do Mm. other things and it's not a rat race trying to get everything done and go out the door and and how much time would they spend on average well, you see, that's also the problem. They probably get too much homework in the first place. But to be fair to their class teachers, they've no problem cutting it back for my children. But mm. my children don't want to be different. They don't want to go into school without it all yeah. done. So, so about so, how much in terms of time? Well, one child is in fourth class and that child gets about an hour. Okay. And the other child on average about half an hour and that's at first class level. But keeping in mind, it does take them a little bit longer to get it done in the first place. Sure. So I've no doubt it takes their peers probably half that time. Sure. Yeah, you're a teacher yourself. Yes. So let's look at it in the... Ge- now, and uh, your your own children are... Have, have there's a difference there as, as you've explained but in general the application of homework good or bad yeah research would say the benefit as children are younger and younger is not huge at all but as they get older there is more benefit to it apparently mm. uh, so I do see the point in needing to have some exposure to homework before landing into post-primary school but what they do need to be able to do is be able to read fluently and comprehend before they get to post-primary school. Because sure. once they go into post-primary, off you go. You're, you're expected that you can read well, comprehend well. And yes, they do need a little bit of practice at sitting down and being able to do something at home independently. But for six, seven, eight-year-olds uh, fighting with them in the evenings for half an hour to an hour, chasing after them, trying to get stuff done, is hard. But I know it's not like that in every house, obviously. You've, you've, some children will come in, sit down for 10 minutes and blast it. Uh, mm. Other children, it can be a struggle 
for the evening and that's what I would hear from my, my school parents you know they um, I work with children uh, you know with, with things like dys- dyslexia dyscalculia and it is just a battle it's hard you know mm. yeah and a lot yeah. of those things I guess when I was going to school and maybe yourself as well but when I was going to school a lot of those things went under the radar because A we didn't know what they were and, and B we had no way to deal with them Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think they definitely need to do their specific programs of work at home if that's possible. Uh, but they have done enough during the day, and it's back to the whole system. Are they being? Are they doing enough while they're in school? They're in school for five and a half, six hours. Yes. Uh, how is the quality of teaching and learning while they're there? So, tech, I really do feel if they have enough done during the day. Mm. That should be enough done. They shouldn't be turning around into yeah. more of it when they go home. As, I a, as a teacher, you would be preparing today or tonight for tomorrow's work, correct? Yes. Where'd you learn that skill? Oh, where, where to prep for the next day? At home, wasn't it? As a kid. Well, I do. I do it on the go. I do, you know. But at the end of the day, that comes very automatically. You learn mm. as you go. Yeah. You Is know. It, it's, I, it's, 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 I don't think it's a black or white debate. I think it'll get me there. Definitely not. And I've, I've had children before saying to me, oh my God, I spent half an hour doing this last night at home and now we're spending 20 minutes correcting it in the morning. Setting homework takes time, correcting it takes time. It is a skill you need to acquire for post-primary. I, I, I do get that. Mm. You do need to do some reading at home. I absolutely agree with that as well. Mm. It's a big debate. We need to look at what other countries are doing, what's working for them. Uh, we do have a very strong education system with good ratings and so on, but... Um, our society is different to what it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. You do have a lot of parents out working and it's very hard to come in at 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the evening yeah. to homework. Samantha, I'll be with you in just a sec, but last one with you, Sarah. You know, have you ever heard the expression that memory is a muscle like any other muscle in the body? Mm. And in a more digital world where everything is at our fingertips in a split second, the actual yeah. exercising of memory, like my memory of the days when we did everything on paper, with pencils and yeah. pens as a journalist, I had a n- enormous memory. In the world of digital, my memory is a lot less accurate because the digital world does so much for me. So if yeah. you don't practice memory, you've become, you, don't, you, you won't develop a good memory. Would you accept that? I would, absolutely. And the question is, have you done enough of that during the day in school or not? Yeah, there you go. That's the debate. Thank you, Sarah. Right, Samantha... Dennis, get rid of it. Morning. Hi, how are you? You'll get rid of it. I, oh, sorry, yeah. I definitely get rid of it. My son's also dyslexic. He comes home from school. He's absolutely wrecked. Really tired. It takes a lot of him to stay sitting at the desk, working all day, because it it's really difficult for him to, you know, be present and listening the whole time and doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And like what might be 20 minutes or a half hour of homework for one child is like an hour and a half or two hours in my house. Right. Constantly saying, come on, come on. And then sports. He loves sports. Yes. The GA is finished now, but we'll be back in spring. He'll have football one night, hurling, another night soccer, another night matches. So you have to have dinner, do the homework, get to wherever the match might be, get to wherever, you know, training is. It's a rush, 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 rush. And I'm lucky I'm at home with my kids yeah. so I'm not like running home from work to try to do this I'm there I'm ready I can have the food ready to throw on when he when we get home from collecting from school at 3 o'clock 
Yeah. But it's exhausting for him. He has to go, 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 go. And is it There's more no exhausting time. than a hurling match in football training? He enjoys hurling in football. It's great to be outside. It's great to be running around, getting endorphins. Yeah. He's in school for hours. Like, he's in school 20 past 9 till 3 o'clock every day. Yeah. It's a long day. He's doing work all day long. And then to come home and do a load of more homework. And as I said, like, it might be a half hour to one child, but it could be an hour and a half for him to do the homework. Well, well that we accept. Yeah, we'd accept that. And, you know, so it's long. That's a very long day. Then all of a sudden... Should, should he maybe have homework that's better gauged for his for his needs? But then he wants, you know, you don't want him different than the whole class then either. And then you're thinking, oh, if he's not doing that homework and they're all doing that homework, is he falling behind? Whereas if nobody was doing the homework, you'd know they were all doing the same work and he's not missing out on the same schoolwork as other children. You, you know, that kind of way, you're not saying, oh, I, I hope he's not missing out now because I decided, oh, we're not going to bother doing, you know, this part of homework is too much. Whereas yeah. then if you're doing that, then you're thinking constantly, then your head's saying, oh, am I making it going to make it harder for him in school because he's not going to be doing, you know, X, Y, or Z at home and John is. Yeah. yeah. Do you know that kind of way? It's, where it's, it's, it's a lot to take it? into account. It is, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a but lot like, take. fair enough to read and if, you know, they come home and do reading on their tables. Yeah. Practice your tables, whatever your tables might be and do your reading every night. That would be, you know, a much easier thing. Obviously, he finds reading difficult. But we still do it every night, even though it is difficult. Okay. You know, we're never going to skip the reason, right, even you, though it's the most hated subject. You'd, you'd, you'd prefer to, to, to get rid of it at the end of the day, if you could at all. Samantha, thank you. 0818969696. In on WhatsApp at uh, 083-396-9696. Kevin? Hey, PJ. Yeah, I've no problem with uh, kids getting homework, as long as it's not you know, two, three hours a night kind of a job. But maybe if some of the teachers did more with the kids inside the class, instead of putting on the telly and watching the World Cup, they wouldn't be getting so much homework. Oh, Kevin, what have you started? Hey, Simon here. Join me all this week from midday to win tickets to my big night out at the brilliant Improv Panto at Cork Opera House. You and three friends could be joining me on opening night Friday, December 9th for a drinks reception followed by a night of hilarious improv. Not for smallies. This panto is made up on the spot based on audience suggestions. Live music, laughter and chaos guaranteed. The Improv Panto from December 9th. Tickets from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Tune in weekdays from midday to win on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966966. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that whole rainbow and um, pride armband debate from the World Cup wouldn't, wouldn't you know that it would be Roy Keane who would sum the whole thing up in plain and simple English uh, during his punditry for, for ITV I don't have the audio to hand it might come up there on a search Fergal, if it, but effectively what Roy was saying on ITV last night is look wear the armband, take your punishment and then strategically move the armband around just have the courage of your convictions, wear the armband, take the risk of the yellow card and then get rid of the armband and, and just play it that way. Um, rather than everyone saying, oh God, we're not going to risk a yellow card so we're not going to wear an armband at all. 
Yeah, he's, he was on ITV last night, and as usual, um, Roy sums it up in, in, in common sense in, in, in a minute and a half. 0818969696 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Another round of the 10K toy giveaway coming up after 11. Let's see if we can follow in Alex's footsteps. Alex, you qualified earlier on with PJ. How many smallies are in your house? We have two boys in my house and then I have two nieces and a nephew oh. and we have a bump on the way. And are any of the smallies with you at the moment? The Samuel's here, he's seven. I think he's going to get pretty noisy right now because Alex, you're just after winning a 500 euro toy shopping spree! Yay! Give us a look! <laughs> he ran away and screamed <laughs> into the other room but he, was, he is screaming. Do you know what? I wouldn't blame him. I'd probably do the same myself. We have got a very happy house there. Thank you. Happy spending. Well, thank you very much. Oh, it is going to be a fun evening in that house. He ran away screaming into the other room. Yeah, there were people who do that when, when I get on the air. Do you know, that's good. Well, anyway, another go of the 10K toy giveaway after 11. Happy to stay with homework throughout the programme, uh, if you want to do so. Homework and traffic. I meant to, but, and I mean it, if you've something you want to say and you can't wait in a queue for a phone call because the phone lines are busy and you don't want to text the whole thing up then just pop us a voice message here's how it's done Hi PJ, how are you? I absolutely agree that kids should get homework I'm a working mum, I work full time and um, I get home every evening, I used to get home at 6 o'clock but now because of the lovely changes that are happening in the city and the tunnel I'm not home till 7 o'clock and um, I have to make dinner or whatever then and um, my son um, does his homework at that time and that's our life but you know what PJ looking at it this morning I'll be lucky if I have a job next week because I'm an hour late for work and that's the reality of the city management who look after the roads in Cork City at the moment it's just crazy and I'm at the end of my header have a great day Talk about combining two topics of conversation into one brilliant voice note. Thank you. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. That was Julie. Now, to North Main Street we go. We can come back to homework if you want. But to North Main Street we go. Christmas lights have gone up around the city in the last week or so and been switched on and all of that. But if, you, if you've been noticing and if you like the part of town that is North Main Street, steeped in history, lovely people, great traditional shops and places to go and shop and eat and drink. Great spot is North Main Street. It's been a bit slack in the lights department in recent years. Uh, George Patterson, why was that? Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? All good? Very, very good. Big problem with lights on North Main Street the last couple of years. Yes, there, there have been. Uh, I mean, I, I think one of the years was COVID. Um, the North Main Street had a uh, an electrical uh, electrician um, who would uh, put the lights up every year, uh, maintain the, uh, the electrical um, outlets, and um, and and try and repair the actual lights that go up. Those lights became beyond repair, and uh, and the the electrician couldn't sign off the um, he couldn't sign off the electrical works. For a year, for those two years, mm. so therefore it went. It just went dead. Now the traders themselves, they're 
they're you know they're not electrical engineers they're they're, they're just trying to build their own their own business up and uh, during covid after covid um so they they didn't really have a, a big input or know anything about what was going on only that it had been signed off and uh, it hadn't been signed off and it was going to cost a fortune to repair it's, it's so not part of the council lighting yeah. scheme no george um, well, it, it is and it isn't. The the, the, um, the lighting, um, the scheme itself. I think it used to be Oliver Plunkett's lights, um, but they were like they were moved over to um, they were moved around. I think that's what happens. They moved them around and uh, they they went ended up in North Main Street. Oh, they got the old the like, old just, North Main. They, they got the old Oliver Plunkett Street lights when Oliver Plunkett Street right, got new yeah. lights, and uh, now they're now exactly. They're out. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And now they're beyond repair. Yeah. You know, so they are they're ex lights. So um, from my from my perspective, as the chairman of the middle parish, yeah, and the community there, my thoughts are with the commun- with the community there. Plus the fact, um, uh, as a historian, um, I love the city centre because it is the main key part of this. Well, I believe of the whole country, yeah, but uh, definitely of the uh, county of Cork. Uh, and uh, and I want that, and I know all the traders there because I live I live very near to them, and um, so I was able to go to them and say, look, you know, during the darkest times of the year, we don't have that extra light that we would have had going down North Main Street. So anybody from the marsh going up to North Main Street to either shop in North Main Street, which they do, or to go into Patrick Street. Um, is you know during the darkest times of the year and during a festive time is is just dead you know so you know what's happening and uh, and so they didn't really know so I spoke to the I and I don't expect them to they're not electrical engineers before I moved here I um, for 15 years I was an electrical and mechanical draftsman okay so I I, I pretty much know you know specifications and project management. So, uh, so I just uh, I got in touch with the electrician. He said, like you know, it's in a poor state of affairs. Now he, of course, is also busy because they've got a lot of building works going on. So his time is taken up as well. Uh, I knew that um, I knew that the council were involved in it to the degree of like uh, that all the money that was ever paid for to the electrician uh, came from grants. So I got in touch with um, I got in touch with Cormac O'Sullivan and John Hayes and said, like, you know, I'm going to have a look at this. And so I, I, I had a look at all the electrical work down there. And um, and I, I then put it out to tender to uh, City Skyline and a couple of others and MK um, Illuminations who do the lights yes. themselves. And uh, so I said to all the traders, I said, look, you know, I said, um, the North Main Street, you know, does it have to be Christmas lights? Do we have to be trying to put these Christmas lights up again? Because they, it will cost an absolute fortune to buy new Christmas lights. And uh, I said, how about you have lights up, seasonal lights, you know, that go across the road, um, but that are just like warm LEDs, um, making it more sort of in keeping with something quaint, right. which North Main Street should be. By now, it should be something considered to be um, antique, quaint, and um, a place that you want to visit. I said, and you can leave them up all year. And if we leave them up all year, then we can open it up and um, we can open it up for Pride, for Ramadan, because it is a cultural, multicultural street, for Ramadan, for uh, Chinese New Year, yeah. uh, for Christmas, for Easter, and so on and so, so forth. So kind of a, a um, kind of a permanent lighting display that can be used according to the occasion. 
according to the occasion. Then, then on a yearly basis, the maintenance becomes less. We're not taking things down and putting things up. Um, uh, which, you know, when you take them down and put them up, we all know when we take the Christmas lights down and put them back again, the chances of them working are like 50-50. And, and modern um, LED fittings, you can put them in these, and you can let them there and they're maintenance-free, but taking them down and putting them up is where the damage happens. Exactly, exactly. Now, we're using 48-volt warm lights um, going across the streets, so they are they are within the regulation of the council. They're uh, they're within the the um, the Euro norm regulation of IP rated systems. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got this up, and it's going to be cheaper over the years, and it's going to be there for all the year round. Do you know so, what, George? This is a brilliant idea. For me, this is a fabulous for idea. For me, it was for me it was for the community, of course, but um, uh, also for part of our community are the traders. I love the idea. So I that, really do. I really do because it's there, there, there. And then you see, then in 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 Christmas time, the traders will put up their own lights on their own shop fronts and in their yeah, own windows. Exactly. Yeah, they'll, so, do, all, they'll so do all that. That's that's mm. deadly. That's that's fantastic. Stay and there. we can add to it. We can add to it yearly. Yeah. Um, I've said to them that you know now I, I'm giving them the complete schematic layout of how everything works down there, so they will have they will have this understanding nice. of um, what happens with the lights. Who, yeah, who, what might who go financed wrong with all them. of this, George? Uh, I got it through uh, again. Uh, it was great working with um, John Hayes, the city manager, and Cormac O'Sullivan. Um, I sat down and I gave them the full spec of what I felt it should be. That the um, I then had to get all the traders down the street to sign off to it. So uh, they've all signed their signatures to saying like, "Yes, uh, this is fine." Um, the city manager liked that. And uh, I told them what the end price was going to be right. uh, with the lights and everything. Um, and uh, they said, that's a good price. Um, yeah, we'll we'll sort that. And because it's a grant that normally the traders have to sign off for, I, I hadn't don't know how to sign their ones off. I don't know how to do their ones. So I said to Cormac, um, I said, look, because of this, could you arrange all the purchase orders? And he said, yes, no problem. I have, I have, you know, the council, to work with the council, they're, they're great to work with. George, uh, this is, this at, is at, the this most level. wonderful, this is wonderful. I, I, I'm just such a simple, practical idea that you used your own experience to work with the traders and work with the council and got something done. You know, George, that's dangerously practical. They'll be coming after you, mate. <laughs> it's dangerously <laughs> practical. <laughs> Patrick Leader, stay there, stay there, George. It's a great George Patterson. Patrick Leader from Leader's uh, Clothing Shop. Hi, Patrick. Hi there, good morning. This is a fabulous idea. They'll be up now all It's a wonderful round. idea and it'll create a great atmosphere for the streets and it'll attract people into the street as well. Yeah. It gives more community feel also to the street. Yeah. Coming, coming with such a practical idea that yes, the taking up and putting down and that first of all, it's costly to put them up and take them down. It's that's costly when, to put them up and maintain. That's when damage is done. Where with, with modern LED style fittings, if you just mind them and keep the damp away from where the sockets and stuff are, they'll last you forever. It's a great idea. It's a wonderful idea, and it's the fact that they're LED is also helping as a guard being kind to the environment as well. So they're they're taking all the boxes. They're very energy efficient. Yeah, they're very energy efficient. They will the cost is less and uh, the maintenance is is so low it makes great sense. Yeah. 
How busy is North Main Street at the moment? I was there a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, just wandering down with my daughter, picking up a few things. How busy are you in the run for Christmas? Uh, with with the online sales and physical in-store, things are definitely picking up. The, you know, people are thinking Christmas already and they're getting organised for Christmas. Is there money out there? Uh, yes, there is. Yeah. Despite everything, people make a special effort to to get something nice for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, because there's always this view that the five weeks we've got left... You know, our four weeks Saturday is Christmas Eve, the, the the most crucial, most crucial four weeks of of the year for retail. I guess that applies more this year than ever before. Well, it is uh, this week. You have all Green Friday offers, and uh, people are shopping for Christmas this week as well. And next week, then it'll kick off in earnest. Uh, usually from the eighth of December, it goes crazy. Talk to me about Green Friday. I know we discussed it before. You and other with other people, Green Friday is kind of. Lo- the local answer to Black Friday. It's the Irish version of. Yeah. We have to be different. It's the Rebel County. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, so you, in in North Main Street, we have a Green Friday. We have Green Friday in North Main Street, and I'm hoping all over Cork. All right. Patrick, good luck with it, and great to, great to see a super idea. George, they're saying to me here on the phone, George Patterson, they're saying you should now be the Lord Mayor of the Middle Parish. Oh, no. no. They call me the nightmare of the middle parish. <laughs> you legend, yeah. Great to talk to you. See you over Christmas, mate, and see you, hopefully see the, the the roaring 40s out and about doing a bit of music over the, the Christmas period. George Patterson and Patrick Leader. George has come together using his experience as an electrical draftsman. He went and he spoke to those who make the decisions and those who write the checks. Came up with an idea. He told them how to do it. And they've done it. So North Main Street will not only have Christmas lights, but it'll have a permanent set of occasion lights. For whatever occasion of the year you have, North Main Street can light up for it. Be it Ramadan, be it Pride, be it the Chinese New Year, Halloween, the Jazz Festival, you name it. North Main Street will have its own lights. That's brilliant. It's a bit like, actually, this morning I was coming in, driving down the Coal Cay. And those trees on the Cold Cay look lovely. You know, as you drive down, they're, they're lovely white lights. But, but I couldn't but smile as I drove past the Christmas tree at the end of the Cold Cay, there by the Bridewell. Because I can remember us being approached here um, on the opinion line. God, I couldn't possibly put a year on it, but it was the very early days of the show, which we started in 2014. So it could have been 2014, stroke 2015. Being approached because there was no Christmas tree at the end of the cold cave. And people were unhappy about this. So we made a bit of noise and we kicked a few tables and we banged a few doors. And not as directly a result of us, but as a result of the noise we created and the noise we made on behalf of the people of the cold cave, there's the tree this morning bedecked in red and white lights outside the Bridewell. And you know what? I had a little smile of pride as I drove past. 0818 96 96 96. <laughs> George Patterson, Lord Mayor. George Patterson, so inclusive and inventive and business orientated. <laughs> he should be Taoiseach. We're Kim. And I'm Courtney. As chief influencers of the city of Cork. With loads of followers. It is our job to tell you that you are all invited to the Royal Cork Ball at the Everyman. 
Hold on. Everyone is invited. Does that mean Cinderella is going? Oh, yes, she is. Oh, no, she's not. Oh, yes, she is. Cork's 96FM presents Cinderella from December 3rd. The ultimate panto experience with sensational singing, dancing and non-stop laughter. See everymancork.com. Book your tickets now for Cinderella. The Everyman Panto. It's for everyone. With Cork's 96FM. Back to North Main Street in just a sec. But Andrew is watching the World Cup this morning where Argentina are 1-0 up on Saudi Arabia at the moment in a stadium that is bathed in shadow because at the time of day they're playing, it's half ten in the morning, I think about one, half one in the afternoon in Doha where they're playing the game and I said the players are so delighted to be playing in shadow. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Because uh, it's not... 35 or 40 degrees or whatever ridiculous temperatures it is in in Qatar. But Andrew says the TV coverage went off twice and the test card went up while the Saudi national anthem was being played against Argentina. Was there some political statement, he's wondering. And as regards the LGBT debacle, look at this. Argentina's pre-match top with rainbow colours. Wales had the same last night, but no one's picked up on it. That's a good point, Andrew. I saw that. The Welsh... Tops, the Welsh pre-match tops were kind of rainbowy. Yes, I saw that. I was wondering, was there a point being made? Thanks. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Back to North Main Street. Michael Creighton from the Great Bradleys. Looking forward to the festive season, Michael, particularly with the new lights. Ah, yeah, PG, it's all good. And I, I hadn't heard the two lads talking before me. I'm only on now, but it's all thanks to George for getting it off the ground, I suppose. And he's a great guy for the area, and it's all looking good. It was a wonderful idea just to combine your own knowledge with a bit of common sense, go to the right people and say, let's do this and let's exactly. leave them up all year round. So literally, if you want to celebrate the opening of an envelope on North Main Street, you've got lights there to do it. Which is as it should be. So we're delighted we're the with that. It's a, it's a great step, you know. Yeah, and right. of course, from our point of view too, we see, we see there's something bigger than just the North Main Street. Um, it's all about getting people back into the city, you know. And I think maybe for too long we've been breaking the city down into little areas 
But yeah. in a way, what's good for one area is good for every area. So we're hoping that this is a bonus for everybody. Yeah. And that, you know, people won't just come on the normal street. They keep walking and they'll go on and support everybody else as well. So How are things going at the moment? I was in there a couple of weeks ago with my daughter in for a bit of breakfast in North Main Street. But, but um, how, is it, how is it doing? It's doing, it's doing okay. I mean, obviously, the, the city has this competition. It has a competition from the, um, the shopping centres on the outskirts. But, I mean, that's just life and that's the way it is. Yeah. We're doing our own thing. We're trying to make our own place a destination, trying to make the city as attractive as it can be. And you know what? We have a great community down around here, and they're very supportive of all of us. So we're very grateful for all that. Some fabulous, some fabulous premises and some fabulous, like traditional premises like yourself and leaders and others, and new places and, and great pubs and great places to eat. I found my, I wandered into Mr. Price and re- didn't realise I was in one. It's in oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realise what I was doing. But the place is, the place is, is, is buzzing. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, and it's covering the full gambit. And the whole area now, you know, and you go down Castle Street and down Commerce, you can do the full ring around. It's got all sorts of local traditional businesses, and it's all really good, you know. We're very positive, I have to say. Good, good. And same question as I, as I put to to Patrick, and I know it's it's that few weeks you'd hope there is, but is there money there, Mike? Uh, there definitely is, there definitely is. I mean, people are definitely worried, there's no question about that. But Christmas is Christmas, you know, and people always want to have a Christmas, and we're not worried about that, you know. And we're we're here to get to give those people the Christmas they want, yeah. you know. And you know, Bradley's being in the off license business. I think it's the first time I've had a chance to ask someone about this since we had the the old minimum pricing on the fourth of January this year. Like, has it affected sales? Has it affected people's behaviours? Well, to be honest, it hasn't affected us because I mean, the minimum unit price you really. It was, like the stuff that was being sold cheaply was being sold below cost, which was never our market anyway. We could never be there. Yes. In a way, it's, it's in a way it's level the playing field for us. You know what I mean? And um, so, like, we had to do very little changing in our pricing when minimum unit pricing came in because we were just charging a fair price, and we're still charging a fair price, and that's the way it is. You know. I see. I mean, yeah. So it's 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 had no real great impact on us. I see. All right. Good. Good to hear that. Um, Bradley's of license, uh, Michael Creedon in North Main Street. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I won't say where I was the other night, but I was wandering around one of the big supermarkets, and uh, I will actually shag it. It was Tex Tesco in in Douglas, and I was I was wandering around, um, just browsing um, before I started buying up stuff for Christmas, and I was looking at one big difference between last Christmas and this Christmas in terms of drink, because on the 4th of January, as you know, minimum pricing came in, so the price of a slab of cans went through the flipping ceiling. And the price of a slab of cans was gone, like, well over 50 quid if you wanted to buy a slab of cans, well over 50 quid. And I was wondering, coming up to this Christmas, how they would deal with it. Um, Because people want to spend, what, 25, 30 quid on a box of cans at most. And I noticed that a lot of the main beers, a lot of the popular beers, the slab this Christmas or the box of cans is 15 cans. And it's 24, 25 euro. That's what they're going to be doing. And I, yeah, I can see that being popular. And the, bot, the boxes of bottles, the 20 bottles, they're all in about 23, 24 quid. They'll be popular. That's getting around the whole minimum pricing thing. But Michael is right, or Michal is right. A lot of the cheapy stuff that was cheapy can't be cheapy anymore. Most of it you wouldn't kill weeds with anyway, in the first place. So, 
Let's see his point. 0818 96 96 96. Back to homework. Morris. Uh, on the old WhatsApp voice message, Morris. Yeah, PJ, this is Morris. Um, I totally disagree with kids getting homework. Uh, they have no homework in Finland. They're supposed to be the happiest uh, children in the world. I, I think that education in this country, giving homework to uh, kids in this country is more about illiterate adults getting, educa- getting educated than anything else. Uh, kids don't need homework. They have, they have, they're in the classroom all day long. Uh, they need they need a break from it. They'd, be, they'd have a better education uh, if they, they took a break from it instead of pounding their minds with, with lessons round the clock uh, instead of just giving them a break. We have the wrong approach to education in this country. I totally disagree with, with kids getting homework. They have, they have enough to do all day. Morris, thanks. That's a great way to get into the conversation if you're too busy to hang around or try and get through on the phone because the phones are busy or if you've got a WhatsApp message that you want to type up and spend half an hour typing. Don't give yourself arthritis in your typing finger. Drop us a voice message to 083 396 96 96. Tom, who spent 40 years teaching on homework says, I like this. There is no impression without expression. The learning of the day is not confirmed without homework. I am pro-homework, but only to a degree. Not an excessive load. That's Tom who taught for 40 years. I like that, though. There was no impression without expression. Talking yesterday uh, about the butcher's block and the disgraceful treatment of the staff at Butcher's Block in Blackpool and in Douglas. And no matter what the state of the economy and no matter what the state of business, the way the staff at Black Rock and Douglas were treated last weekend was an absolute disgrace. And don't give me any kind of explanation. We still haven't had a statement back, by the way, from the owners uh, or anyone willing to come on and take some questions, more particularly to answer that question. In what mindset is it okay to do that to people, like was done to the workers in Blackpool and Douglas on on Saturday morning? But Ralph Regal has a piece in The Independent uh, today or yesterday, yesterday I saw it, I think, where there's now one butcher closing every three days. And I will come back to that in just a bit. But first to remind you that Cork Simon... We've partnered up with them again for this Christmas to tackle homelessness in the city and we need you to wear your Christmas jumper to help Cork Simon to raise vital funds. You can host a Christmas jumper day anywhere, anytime. You can do it at work, at home, in school or even online because nobody wants a child to grow up and be homeless on Christmas Day. If you host a Christmas jumper day for Cork Simon, well, you'll contribute to making sure that doesn't happen. It's far more than just a gift, you know. And you can get a fundraising pack uh, to help you set up your Christmas jumper day at corksimon.ie and then you'll be joining us at Cork's 96FM to help fight homelessness in Cork. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with the latest on Cork's entertainment. Kevin McGarren is known to Irish audiences from hosting RTE's Republic of Telly and appearing in the likes of Hardy Bucks. Also a fantastic stand-up, Kevin comes to City Limits Comedy Club this Saturday night with tickets available on the door. 
Sandwich returned to Cypress Avenue for an album launch show on December 1st, celebrating their new album Magnify. Following some superb singles from the top 10 album, the Mead Band have a great league side following with tickets on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. If you have a gig show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. As we were reporting here about Butcher's Block, uh, Ralph Regal was writing in the Irish Independent about the dire state of the the butcher shop industry and you're writing Ralph that they're closing at an average rate of one every three days particularly the small family run businesses. Good morning. Good morning PJ yeah and I suppose what's what's stark is that that article was written before the details of the closure in Cork and I think there was another couple of closures in Dublin so it's a very very difficult situation that small family butchers find themselves in because I suppose really they're caught between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, you have the whole fallout from the cost of living issue. Um, I mean, I went to school in Mitchellstown and the, the, the story there always was that in a recession, the, the old Galti factory did very well because people bought sausages, they bought rashers, they bought what you'd perceive to be cheaper meats. Um, they'd, they'd ease off on steaks and more expensive cuts. And you not only have a cost of living issue at the moment where I suppose a lot of the products that the butchers would very much depend on are being squeezed, but you also have this energy crisis. And, you know, it's fine for us all to talk about, you know, turn the office lights off at five o'clock when you go home in the evening and cut, cut bills. Yeah. But like if you're a butcher store owner, those refrigerators are working 24-7. Yes, yes. And there's huge, I mean, in some of the butcher stores, like you're talking significant amounts of refrigeration. So all of that is driving up electricity bills. And several of the butchers that we spoke to, I mean, one poor man up in Wicklow, he was actually talking about expanding his butcher shop, hiring another person, and they were doing very well. And then lo and behold, his his electricity bills came in. And he actually rang the supplier because he genuinely thought it was a mistake. He said, my bill could not be this. And the answer, what he was given was, look, you're you're lucky that the bill is that because if you come off the rate that you're on, the bill will be another 50% higher. So it's a really, really difficult situation that they find themselves in. Yeah, I was talking to a, a guy with the deli, Ralph, uh, only a few months ago, and he said in, in just a deli, the cost of refrigeration had nearly trebled in a year. So one can't imagine how much it's gone up to keep meat cold as it has to be kept cold. Not alone frozen. Yeah, very, yeah, very much so, PJ. And I mean, that's an exceptionally difficult problem to try and solve in a business where margins are so tight. Because a lot of the small butcher shops, like they're competing with the major multiples, the supermarkets, uh, to persuade people look buy your meat from your local butcher. You get a nice product, you get good service, whatever. So I mean, it's difficult enough that they're trying to cope with this whole the the, the, the electricity issue, but at the very time that they're being hammered by a whole cost of living. Um, the cost of living followed and the change in consumer um, attitudes because people that are concerned about spending money will look at where they can kind of cut back. And in some cases, it's their choice of meats and their choice of their weekly shopping. And that's having an impact as well. Yeah. In a previous life, Ralph, you were an agricultural journalist solely. So you know a bit about farming supply chain. Is that having any impact on the thing at the moment? Oh, oh, it is. And I mean, the reality of it, PJ, is that we haven't seen the full fallout yet 
of how food prices are going to increase. Because if you look at diesel, if you look at the costs of inputs in farming, I mean, fertilizer costs are about 300 to 400% higher than they were um, 18 months ago. And all of that stuff has to filter through onto the cost of your, your loaf of bread, your pint of milk, uh, your, your dozen sausages, your rashers, your cut of meat. And I think in the next year to 18 months, you're going to see significant further increases in the cost of of daily foodstuffs. And unfortunately, you're also going to see significant changes, I think, in consumer behaviour where people react, try and save cut costs, try and save money and products that may have been very, very good sellers for the last, say, five, ten years um, are going to be less so in the couple of years going forward. I was talking to a, a pal who's worked in retail for pretty much all of his life and he was predicting to me that in the new year, once the spend of Christmas is over and once the credit card bills and other bills start coming in in January and February, we have not seen the way that the arse is going to fall out of retail and supply chain will be part of that. Really, this is going to get, and Ralph, this is an objective view, journalistic view, this is going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. I think so, and I think this isn't something that's going to resolve itself in the short term, PJ. I think we're, we're looking at the medium term here as in several years before the economy settles down and gets back to what we've been used to. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Christmas because I've done several stories for The Independent on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, yeah. toy sales, whatever. And the, the, the belief is that people are going to spend money over the next, say, six weeks. But what they're going to do is they're going to spend less on, say, smaller items. They're going to put their resources into the bigger items that they see as either A, offering energy savings, things like air fryers or low energy heaters or stuff like that, and maybe a television as a kind of a family present. And really from the new year, you're going to see significant tightening, I think, of spending. And it's worth remembering that for an awful lot of retailers in the next six weeks, they're going to have to make enough money to keep them going for virtually three to four months of next year because they expect it to be so lean in early 2023. Just talking there before I brought you on, talking to some of the traders in North Main Street and I asked them the same question, is there money out there? Now they both said there is, which which is good to see, but it, it won't be there in January, February. No, I think what's going to happen is, I mean, there, there, there's interesting trends in, in consumer behaviour. I mean, I, I've spoken to several retailers, I spoke to Curry's PC World, and what they were saying was they expect significant sales in high-ticket items like, like smart TVs. The World Cup is kind of, I suppose, feeding into that as well. But come the new year, I think people are really going to look at their, their spending. You're going to have all of the bills from Christmas coming in. You're also going to have the major fuel bills, because remember, we really haven't seen you know, the the coldest of the weather yet, come December, come January, February, that's really when heating is going to become a very, very big issue in Ireland. And I think the cost of heating bills is inevitably going to hit into other types of spending, such as food spending, you know, hospitality spending. And and really, it's going to be interesting. February or March, we're really going to know just how serious the the cutback in consumer spending is going to be. Yeah, it's a bleak few months ahead, hopefully. We'll try and get through the Christmas and enjoy it as best we can. But certainly the spring of 2020 23 is going to be a fairly dark place for a lot of people particularly those on on fixed income and low income. Ralph, thank you very much Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent so one butcher closing every three days and the, the cold storage and the cold rooms, really the biggest problem but come back to it I'm not going to bring Ralph in on this one but come back to it and you know what, it's a terrible thing that if an industry is as 
as struggling as much as as the butcher is at the moment, that is a terrible thing. Nobody likes to see that. But still, it still does not make what was done to the workers in Blackpool and Douglas. No economic situation, no big electricity bill, no crisis in the supply chain, nothing. None of it, none of it justifies or excuses what was done to those workers. And I'll stand, and I want, I, I want someone, if they're willing to do it, if there's anyone in the, butch, in the butcher's block management or ownership who's willing to go on the end of my telephone and tell me why it's okay to do that. The challenge is there, guys. You know, you know who you are. Your names are out there in public. If you want to tell me how it's okay to do that to people at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, the, the stage will be yours. 0818 96 96 96. Remember that gorgeous, gorgeous teddy bear that was in CUH and had been left alone in CUH and he had a kind of a sad look on his worn little face a bit like a fellow who'd missed a mortgage payment you know that kind of a little teddy bear and they were trying to locate his owner and get him home Claire Concannon from CUH Charity he's gone home is he? Morning Hello how are you? We found his home and he has just actually left our office he wasn't due to leave until Monday but he just couldn't wait and we were sad to see him go but we're delighted he's gone home (laughs) He was adorable. Well, he's not he's not just one, he's a twin, would you believe? Oh. Um <laughs> So, um it belongs to two little boys. Um it was Caleb, who is seven, uh, from Killa. Um it was his little teddy bear that was left behind. Caleb is a twin, his twin brother is Michael, and so they have twin teddies. Um and so there's actually two of them. <laughs> so what's this so, little teddy's name then, or does he have a name? Just Teddy. Just Teddy. He's like Madonna. He goes by one name only, I think. So he's mm. <laughs> just Teddy. Um, but he was uh, shared on social. He was um, Peter O'Mahony, um, our ambassador in CH Charity, actually shared the post. Um, a woman called Deirdre saw the post and she shared it again. And um, Caleb's mum, Anya, saw the post and was like, that's our bear. <laughs> yeah. So when what she thinks happened was um, Caleb came in, was sent in for some testing um, just to make sure that there was nothing untoward going on. So he was sent in for some testing. And um, when they found out that he was going to be in for, for quite a little while, his uncle arrived with Lego and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And Caleb got a little bit distracted. Um, and so the, the Lego made it out of the hospital and Teddy didn't. But um, he has actually just been picked up this morning. So he's going to be in ho- he's going to be home in time for the toy show, which was our ah, biggest hope, you. to be honest. He, so. he's, he's, he, he actually is a Charlie bear. That's his brand. Um, they're a very yes. collectible little bear. They're a beautiful little bear. But he's just called Teddy. He's just Teddy. And the funny thing is, Anya, the, uh, Caleb's mum, actually didn't know that he was a collectible bear. So I don't think he'll be coming back to the emergency department again, as much as we loved having him. <laughs> um, I think he'll be kept safely at home. Um, <laughs> well, we knew he was special. Uh, apparently, Charlie Bears, you don't choose your Charlie Bear. Your Charlie Bear chooses you. <laughs> well, I suppose seeing as this teddy was a twin teddy, 
it was natural that they went to twins. Um, so they were a gift to the two little boys when they were um, a couple of months old. And maybe, um, maybe that's why he was so sad, because he was missing his twin. There was lots of things to miss. There was, <laughs> there was, his, little, there was his little human, there was his twin, there was all sorts. Um, but he was kept good company here um, with Casey Bears, and we've, we're going to keep on the story. So uh, once he's home now, we're hoping to get a picture of Caleb and... And Teddy, once he's home, and we'll be sure to keep people updated. Um, because I have to say, <laughs> I've never known so many people invested in a teddy bear. No, <laughs> you don't happen to know what Teddy's brother, Teddy's twin's name was. Please tell me. I think they're just both Teddy. They're all oh Teddy. God. Te- just... Teddy and Teddy Ella. Oh, Lord. <laughs> They've just been, do you know what? I think they're such part of the family that they kind of didn't. They, they're they're just Teddy, just just there. Um, but they do love them, and they they were, you know, they're delighted to have him home. Um, and as I say, Anya had no idea that he was a collectible bear, so he certainly won't be visiting CUH again anytime soon. He, he, so. won't, be, he won't be leaving the bedroom anytime soon. Oh, listen, great laugh, great laugh. Lovely lovely to chat again with uh, Claire Concannon from the CUH charity. So he's a Charlie bear, but he's just called Teddy, and he's a twin. And there's Teddy and Teddy, Teddy and Teddy Ella. Actually, you know the way children have names on their teddy bears? I, I had a Bobo. I think everybody had a Bobo. I had a Bobo. That I had until, and I don't mind, I had Bobo until I was nearly 14. But everybody has a name on their bear. Emer tells me that her little girl's doll is called Girl. What? Just Girl? Did you have a name on your teddy? I had a Bobo. Um, I think everybody else had a Bobo. But is it there was Teddy? I mean, there's loads of just Teddy. It's gonna have a name, Teddy. You know, mm. Teddy Ella. <laughs> Anyone got a teddy bear or had a teddy bear or a duck with a strange name? We had lots of fun a few months ago with dogs with human names, and and there was a cat in Douglas. I don't know if he's still around. There was a cat in Douglas called Brendan one time. But what about strange names for bears? I mean, a Charlie bear, you could at least call him Charlie, but no, Teddy and Teddy Ella. <laughs> There's a dog in Ballancolic called Glenn. Ah, that's okay. Glenn is kind of doggy. Get ready to meet the Quartz 96 FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join KC and the 96FM Street Fleet at Magical Blarney in Blarney Woolen Mills this Saturday afternoon from 4pm. We're there to bring the music fun and countdown to Santa himself arriving in style. Come enjoy the fun this Saturday afternoon from 4 at Magical Blarney in Blarney Woolen Mills with Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. A bunch of stuff held over from our earlier conversation on homework. And I'll get to them. If not today, I'll get them during the week because it's a contentious one whether you should continue homework or ban it completely or somewhere in between whether it's of any use who actually it's putting pressure on is it putting pressure on the children 
or is it putting pressure on mammy or daddy and do they want to sit and watch Emmerdale rather than be doing homework with the five-year-old? Who's it putting pressure on? Who's it causing a problem for? Reedy. We'll come back to that. 0818 96 Yes, I am stirring. 0818 96 96 96 is your number. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Um, on the names of dogs and hopefully the names of teddy bears but we're looking for unusual teddy bear names I have a beautiful blue whippet called Roisin Roisin's not bad Glenn's not bad and I was just amazed to discover this enormous ginger cat in Douglas a couple of years ago called Brendan and I met another big cat uh, at the lovely lady who minds our cats when we're on holidays uh, Mel's cattery down there in Clondrohead. Um we've been sending our two ladies down there for years but there's a there's a regular at, at that cattery called um, called Seamus I, I, I love strange human names for cats but but I do digress I have a habit of doing that 0818 96 96 96 Friday is Black Friday Thursday is Thanksgiving and then Friday is Black Friday and everyone's got a deal on down in North Main Street. They're having a Green Friday and good for them. But travel features heavily in Black Friday deals because no one really knows, I think, what travel sales will be like in the new year. Nobody really knows. Do you book your holiday now or do you hold on until the springtime? and see what will be there. And really, that's a discussion being had in many houses at the moment. I know my own, and that's where we're, we're, we're doing it. Am I going to Maria or am I going to Sarah, Eames? Let me know there for sure, because they're both lit up in front of me here. So are we going to the the travel or are we going to... I'll go with, I'll go with Sarah. I'll go with Sarah because I started talking about it. So Sarah Slattery joins me um, from uh, travelexpert.ie. And just that point I was making, Sarah... Um, a lot of people are, are just trying to decide what to do for their, their holidays for 2023 because they don't know what the economy is going to do. But certainly a lot there on Black Friday to encourage you to spend some money. Morning. Morning. Hi, TJ. Um, yeah, certainly there's a really um, great buzz about it, uh, particularly this year. I think after the last couple of years, this is the first time we've really seen all the airlines out, uh, tour operators, massive savings on cruises and things like that as well. So it's really kind of gone industry wide. So, yeah, I think I suppose there's that, you know, I think people spend a lot coming up to Christmas anyway, you know, probably sometimes what we don't have, but mm. it's just that kind of that buzz, isn't it? The black, mm. All around Black Friday. So I suppose if, if you're in that, it is a good time to book and get planning. It's hard to know whether the, the sales are going to be the same in January. A lot of people seem to think that this is the new January now for, for yes. travel. This is the early booking period. Yes, a lot of people would have plans made. I know this time last year I had a whole plan made. So far this year we haven't actually settled on anything. But if you look at all the, like both Aer Lingus and Ryanair have Black Friday deals. Yeah, Aer Lingus just started today. Um, and I think everybody always loves to, to see the an Aer Lingus sale. Um, they've got 100 euros off flights to North America and 200 euros off business class. And then they've 25% off many European destinations. Um, now, they're just valid until the end of March. Um, but a lot of the kind of sunspots, the Canaries, a lot of city breaks in there as well. Malaga, Lisbon, all those destinations. And some of the flights to the States, I've seen return flights to New York for like 270 euros um, in the wintertime now when you take the 100 euros off. So really, really good value if you're planning um, mm. a winter break uh, or up to the end of March. 
Um, Ryanair is a little bit different. They have a kind of a different deal every single day. So they unlock it at midnight. Um, today's deal is Saturday is um, 19.99 flights every Saturday up until the middle of February. Yesterday was 15% off January flights. So they have a kind of a different deal every single day. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to book <clears throat> your holiday in, in Mallorca in June on a Black Friday deal. You are you are looking at travelling in off-peak, aren't you? Yeah, definitely with those two. Um, some of the more of the long-haul airlines have kind of got it year-round. Qatar Airways are out until the end of November next year, but they do have close-out dates for Easter and peak dates in yeah. July and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it really depends on the airline and it depends, um, like some have, have literally only going on sale on Friday. Some are out already for a week. So each one is different. I, I have got a good roundup post on my website featuring all the deals with the dates and the, the when to book and, uh, and things like that as well. Qatar Airways, you mentioned, do they fly out of Dublin um, regularly now? Sarah. Yeah, um, uh, well, every day, I think some, I think it's double daily on, on Sundays as wow. well. Um, so, yeah, and they've got like Cape Town from 6.59, uh, the Maldives from 7.59, Tokyo, which is big, huge, a lot of demand for Japan again since it's reopened, 7.29. So the airfares are very good um, um, with them as well. And I'm expecting, I saw Emirates announced something yesterday, but when I, I looked on their website today and I didn't see okay. uh, any offers yet, but again, they may come on um, stream over the next couple okay. of days. Looking at the family packages then, uh, you've got Tui uh, have a, a packages with, with a deal and Sunway. Yeah, a lot of people like to pay their deposit um, and kind of have something locked in, don't want to pay in full at the moment. So, you know, it's it's really, really good to go with a, a travel agent and um, a package holiday it can be really, really handy. TUI has €100 Euros off if you spend um, €750 Euros or €200 Euros off if you spend €1,500. Euros. So, again, good for families there. Some way have a, a wide uh, range of offers across various destinations. Um, some some winter, some summer, like a nice hotel in, in, in Grand Canaria there, a good four-star hotel from mm. 519 um, in, in May. And that includes your flights, your transfers, your baggage um, yeah. as well. So uh, they've got some, some great deals as well and some amazing cruise deals too. I see go five-star in Lanzarote from 669 for seven nights. Now that's a deal and a half. Yeah, that's really good. I think that one was March, but um, yeah, they've got a kind of a really good selection across uh, various uh, various offers. Probably best to, to, to well, you can check their website or give some way a call. They don't have like a an online discount code. You just give them a buzz and uh, they'll go through them with you over the phone. Okay, now things like Booking.com and AttractionTickets.com, but Booking.com, very popular and they have a big Black Friday deal. Yeah, um, booking 30% off selected hotels and they're right up until the end of December next year. And what I like about their um, their website as well is that when you go onto the site, you know, you click on it, there's a button there so you, you can actually see exactly what hotels. There's like, if you have a black code, you'll see it has 30% off that specific hotel. And they have some in Ireland as well, um, as well as, as abroad. So kind of good if you're, you know, um, if, you, if you want to kind of get a cheap deal, as I said, either here in Ireland or abroad. Yeah. Now, very quickly to cruises, Sarah, a lot of Black Friday deals. I'm looking at one here now, Tour America, the Norwegian Fjords, five star, like for what, yeah. 13, six, uh, nine? Yeah, that's going next May. That can only be booked on Black Friday. Again, probably best to give Tour America a ring on that. It's um, five star celebrity Apex. 
Norwegian fjords. They also give you $400 onboard credit to spend and it includes your flights and transfers and it's $13.69 for a week. So again, like really, really good value. Some of the cruise deals are actually unbelievable. I've ne- like 50% off Norwegian. Um, Princess Cruise have a, yeah. uh, a, a culinary cruise with um, lots of famous chefs um, doing demonstrations on board for a week in September for 811 med cruise, including flights. Like yeah. some of the deals on the cruises are particularly good. S- seven nights um, in the Caribbean from 1379. <laughs> yeah. Royal Caribbean. Yeah. Wow. That's bad. Yeah, Royal Caribbean have brilliant savings, 860 per stateroom. They're free balcony upgrades. A lot of kids sale from 99 euros with them as well. Um, so really, really good. As I said, I think of all of the, the deals at the moment, I, I think I've never seen so many good ones on cruise. Right. Probably best, again, to book with a cruise specialist who knows the ships, knows what they're doing um, as well on that. But as I said, I've links to all of that on the site. Um, another good one is attraction tickets for anyone looking for the States, Florida, places like that. Um, they have 5% off um, selected tickets. They also have discounts on hotels. They have adults at kids' prices. So it's not just like the airlines and the, the tour operators. There's like discounts on car hire and transfers. So really, really great wide selection of, of travel deals this year. All right, Sarah, thank you very much uh, for that. Sarah Slattery, um, the travel expert.ie, looking for the... Uh, deals on Black Friday. If you go to her website, they're all there and then follow them to the various different um, agents. 0818 96 96 96. A couple of weeks ago I was talking to Maria Gillen about storytelling and Maria, of course, a very accomplished storyteller in her own right. But at the time, she said she was going to bring a famous Choctaw storyteller to Cork, a man called Tim Tingle from the Choctaw tribe and of course we know about the connection between Cork and the Choctaws and Middleton and that beautiful beautiful monument down there I'm delighted to say that he's here and he's with you Maria, good morning Good morning PJ he is, he's sitting right next to me he's in his beautiful Choctaw shirt with the snake embroidery Ooh. and he's wearing his um, his emblems of the Choctaw Nation um, which is amazing. So I won't take up much of your time because I'm so excited to introduce you to Tim Tingle, the Choctaw storyteller. And we've had a beautiful two days in Cork and we want to give a huge shout out to the Yarn Storytelling Festival and Aoife Demel for making this possible and to the Armstrong Storytelling Trust in Antrim and Liz Weir for, um, for organising this. Um, so this has been a whole nation of Ireland um, coming together to uh, make this possible. So oh. I'm going to put you on to Tim right now. Thank you so much, uh, Maria. Hello, Tim. Or, as we say in Choctaw, Halito. That's the Choctaw word for hello. Halito yourself then. <laughs> and the next thing I would say would be Chimachukma. Which is? How are you doing? Chima Tukma. You say, I'm a Chukma. Okay. I see. I'm having a Choctaw lesson, Tim. It's yeah, and uh, give it a try. I'm a Chukma. Okay. I'm a Chukma. Okay. That's perfect. That means I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll, I'll try that in the poll, but the weekend, Tim, yeah. delighted to have you on the program. There is a very close link between the people of Cork. And, and your people. Absolutely. The, which culminated yes. in that beautiful monument. Do you want to tell us that story? Well, you know, I think um, 
there are many perspectives of that story. All right, I was I was raised in a little tiny little town of South Houston. Houston is an enormous town on the Texas Gulf Coast, but I was raised in South Houston, tiny little town, and my uh, grandmother, we called her Mama, Minnie Ochitama Good, was a Choctaw in Oklahoma, and she was, basically, she lived in Oklahoma because my great-great-great-grandfather, John Carnes, when he was 10 years old, his house was burned down in the middle of the night, and he ran outside, and there was uh, other people that were having their houses burned down, and people were riding in and throwing torches on the houses. And then as people ran out of their burning houses, they would fire shotguns at them. And for my family and all the ones in that little Choctaw town in the state of Mississippi, that's how the Trail of Tears began. And one reason I was inspired to start telling Choctaw stories is I heard that by my Uncle Kenneth in the backyard and sitting on a tree stump from the time I was a little bitty kid. He would tell us all stories and as we got older, they would be more serious stories, but they were in no books, yeah. no history lesson, nothing in America. Would you find anything about American Indians and certainly not the Trail of Tears, but it moved us all the way from Mississippi to the state of Oklahoma, almost a thousand miles, so many. And people were, there were missionaries, yeah. Christian missionaries that came down from the Boston area and came all the way south. They came to the city of New Orleans and up to Choctaw country. And one of the Choctaw ways of moving into adulthood, it's been a ceremony and it still happens in certain small Choctaw towns. Those who have turned 12 in the course of the year at this special day, they're taken to the riverside with all their family for miles around, grandparents, everybody. And an old man chosen for his wisdom will take their hand and dip them in the river. Mm. But before he dips them, he will say, whisper words to them, wise words for their life, but only for them, different for everyone. And he whispers those words, dips them in the river. And when the Irish came down, the missionaries, and they saw that that was a tradition that they saw that they believe very much like Christian people, very much. Because to Choctaws, forgiveness is a huge part of the culture. And we have not a single statue or honor anything about a Choctaw warrior who killed so many people and won the battle. And I know this sounds unusual, but to Choctaws, the heroes are the ones that build the bridges and make the peace and prevent the war. And so when the missionaries came down, we converted to Christianity and they were missionaries that were Irish missionaries. So many Irish missionaries walked with us on the trail of tears in the 1830, all the way to Oklahoma and Mississippi The state of Mississippi is a Choctaw word, which means the old home. And Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, is a Choctaw word that means home of the red people. I gotcha. So as we we went to walk the Trail of Tears, and that's been the connection. Since I was growing up, we knew about the connection with the Irish. And then in 1846-47, when the word from the Irish came to us, 
of what was going on in the famine, yeah. there's a Choctaw town called Scullyville. And the Choctaw word for money is Scully, is Scully. So it was money town. It was where money was passed out to Choctaws that were paid for land they had sold. But for several months, the Choctaws said, we don't want the money. Send it to our friends in Ireland. Oh, right. And that was one of the sources of the gifts. It was Choctaws that were still very much in poverty only a short decade ago from the trail, surviving the Trail of Tears and still trying to build their lives up in Oklahoma. But they heard about the famine and they knew the importance, the connection between the Irish people. So they collected what has been estimated at $170, but it would be tens of thousands of dollars today and, and send it over. And I think it came to Cork. I think it arrived in, in the co- in Cove. Yeah. yeah. Cork. Cause there's the connection. First of all, there's the river, the ceremony in the river, uh, which of course connects directly to the famous Bible story of John of, of, of John the Baptist and all that. And then the yes. friend, the friendship between, between the Choctaw people and the Irish missionaries so that's where the generosity, because that was the bit I couldn't figure out, Tim, knowing the story. Why did the Choctaw decide to help the Irish during the famine? It was because they befriended the Irish on the Trail of Tears. Yeah, yeah. And the right. Irish the Irish befriended, befriended them because, and this is something also not written in American history books. But it, you're, I mean, I'm a person who spent the last 35, 40 years of my life not just researching, but traveling to Mississippi. And I have 300 hours of recorded interviews that I did with older Choctaws that were so old, their grandparents had walked on the Trail of Tears. So the stories they were telling about the Trail of Tears was not something they had read about, heard about, learned about. They heard it in their family. And I have recordings of these older people. They've all gone on now, but I have 300 hours of these recordings and that's where my stories are primarily based it's truth it's truth and this wonderful monument that is in east cork to the choctaw people comes from that story and i think you were here before to see that monument unveiled i mean as a as a member of the of the choctaw people tim how, how how did that feel to watch that incredibly historic friendship between our two peoples it is and it's not just it's been a feeling that I have had so many times, so many times here, just a feeling of, of being here and just sensing so there. It's almost as if you feel the ground beneath you, you feel the ground to Choctaws. The word for goodbye is Chipisolachiki. Give it a try. Chipisolachiki. I'm, I'm writing it down here. Chipisolachiki. C H I C P I S H A C Pisa Pisa Lach L A T C H and then K I Chipisa Lachiki Chipisa Lachiki. Well, we won't say it for another Chipisa Lachiki. We won't say it for another couple of minutes because because I do want to ask you. You went. No, but wait. Let me explain something briefly. Okay, it doesn't actually mean goodbye. When a Choctaw says to another, Chipisolachiki, it means I will see you in the future. Because to Choctaws, no one ever dies. They simply leave their body and take on another form of life. And so when I'm standing at the monument, I feel beneath me the rising of all the spirits. 
that have contributed. It's not just me and the spirits that flew over with me and are here. And isn't it funny, Tim, when we meet a friend that we haven't seen for a long time and possibly won't see again for a long time, we say, see you next time. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what it is. It's It's very much. I will see you in the future, yeah. Now, you were in a place yesterday that is, of course, part of our Christian history, Guganbara. Was it your first visit? I think so. That was my first visit to Guganbara. What did you, what yeah, did you I make think it, so. What did you think of the place? Explain it to me and I'll know where I was. It's the monast- monastic setting. Okay, she told me. She said, you know the little church where you sang Amazing Grace? Yes, it was astounding. When we, we pulled up there, it was pouring down rain. It was so cold, it felt almost like hail. Can you still hear me? I can. I absolutely can, yeah. Okay. It felt almost like hail. And as we got out of the car, it was pouring down rain. We had a rain jacket on. And then as we stepped and approached the church, we could look across and see on the mountainside there, It was they turned yellow and the clouds were going away. And it seemed like every few steps we took to the church that the mountains were smiling sunshine at us. It was beautiful. And then we stepped inside the, and at the base, right at the front of the church, I knelt down and I sang our national anthem. And what is that song called? May I sing it for you briefly? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, here we go. And you'll know what it's called, though I'll sing it in Choctaw. She long is holy to Baba is me tipu lacha hata kilba shapiya is pi that's that's amazing grace tim that's it's amazing grace in choctaw what's the and history was, of that because I, I if if someone asked me tim where where amazing grace came from i might have said it was a scottish song yeah it was it was but the the missionaries brought it down to us and we learned the song and began to sing it in choctaw yeah it doesn't originate from the choctaw okay. at all i got it, you. it's it 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 was brought down to us and we wrote lyrics to it that go along in Choctaw with the song. And now there are over 200,000 just Oklahoma Choctaws. And every single day, every Choctaw sings that song at least once a day. So the Celtic people gave you your anthem? Well, you know, I mean, we accepted it. We changed it. We wrote the lyrics to it. So we the bridge was built. Yeah. Fantastic. I did much. not know that. I did not know that. That's amazing. That's wonderful. <laughs> that Tim, you're, here, you're, here telling sto- you're here telling stories, and I know you've got an event coming up very, very shortly. It is so wonderful uh, to talk to you. Let me try this. Until such time as we talk again, uh, Tim Tingle, Chapisa Lachki, my friend. Chapisa Lachki, my friend as well. <laughs> Take care. And thank you. And Maria, thank you so much for allowing me to speak with this wonderful man who I could probably sit here till four o'clock hearing him tell stories. Tim Tingle of the Choctaw Nation, who's in Cork for a story, a couple of storytelling events. Chapisa Lachki, my friend. And did you ever know that about Amazing Grace? That it's the anthem of the Choctaw Nation? And they got it from this side of the world and they adapted it and rewrote it. What a lovely story. You guys ready?
Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. The 10K Toy Giveaway continues this week, which means there'll be a lot more of this kind of thing on the Big Drive Home. Guess what? Why? You've just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree! Oh my God! 500 boys, what do you think? Tune in for details every weekday from 4. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. So lucky to have Tim on, says this message. Uh, gorgeous enchanting, captivating voice that paints his words. Yeah, I could I could sit listening to him all day telling stories. Uh, on travel, you can't book Ryanair out of Cork beyond March. Do you know when this will change? Can't book any accommodation for the summer until the flights are available. Thanks from Claire. Yeah, I've noticed that myself. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like this time last year, I had my whole holiday for 2022. I had it all locked down at the end of 2021, all uh, tickety-boo. Not possible this year because the the Ryanair schedules for where we wanted to go next summer have been moving around a lot. Uh, I'm thinking of, we were talking about going back to Tenerife again next summer and you can't actually pin down what the flights will be. They've changed a couple of times and then because you can't do that, you can't book your accommodation. I think Sarah, Ryanair are probably waiting to see what will happen over Christmas and the new year and then they'll nail down flights early in 2023, but you're right, you can't actually get your accommodation sorted until you've got flights and dates and all that. So we'll we'll keep an eye to that. On Teddies and their names. Hi, this is Chubbs. There's a lovely name. Hi, this is Chubbs. He's lovely. I got him as a child for Christmas. I used to walk past the shop every week looking at him in the window, hoping that Santa would get him for me. I was so disappointed Christmas morning, but then I didn't realise Santa knew my big brother and he brought him for me. If Chubbs could talk. Yeah, we got the picture. I, oh, for goodness sake. Ah, would you look? Ah, look, close up now. I had a little small one. Look at Ah, no, God. And there's Dino. Ah, lads. Ah, lads. This is Dino. Dino's 42. 42. Dino's 42. My dad was a big Aston Villa fan. So I think his name came from a player back all those years ago. My daughter Rachel got a teddy when she was four, uh, four and a half, and she called him Rex. She's now 21, and she still has Rex and will not part with him. I had a cough, but a gentleman wanted to book his dog in to be groomed. I asked what breed he was and was told he was a Westie. I asked what his name was. He said Westie. I asked again, and he said Westie. So he had a Westie called Westie. Thanks, Deirdre. Oh, Chubbs is adorable. I use the teddy, not a real dog. Chubbs is, is absolutely adorable. Well, there's a little bear in our house. Well, he's the dog. And I'd say he's been around the world. He's been traveling with her since she was seven or eight. We started to go on holidays ourselves with the twins. And somewhere along the way, um, Gemma acquired puppy. Just puppy. Little dog. At this stage, he's bashed and battered and bent and bruised and threadbare but last year Poppy was at the Grand Prix in Hungary so you know teddy bears are they're important 
I miss Bobo. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo! We're Kim! And I'm Courtney. As chief influencers of the city of Cork. With loads of followers. It is our job to tell you that you are all invited to the Royal Cork Ball at the Everyman. Hold on. Everyone is invited. Does that mean Cinderella is going? Oh, yes, she is. Oh, no, she's not. Oh, yes, she is. Cork's 96FM presents Cinderella from December 3rd. The ultimate panto experience with sensational singing, dancing and non-stop laughter. See everymancork.com. Book your tickets now for Cinderella. The Everyman Panto. It's for Everyone. With Cork's 96 FM. Eugene says, I'm 63. I have had the same Teddy all my life. I call it Ted or Teddy. Might need a trip to Teddy Hospital to be spruced up. But I've had him all my life. Thanks, Huge. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Elke, you've got something at this uh, Blarney Christmas Craft Fair at Blarney Golf Club. You've got something that I saw a couple of years ago. But I'll tell you my story if you tell me yours. Morning. How you doing, Alki? I'm good. <laughs> good, good, good. You got a Christmas... First of all, you couldn't do this for the last couple of years, and great to have it back. Yeah, no, it's fantastic to be back, to be honest. It, it's, it was missed, and it's needed, I'd say, as well. So it's great to be back at the old location, at the Blarney Golf Club. So, yeah, delighted with that. <laughs> okay. So where are you back? When are you back? And what what is on display? Okay, so we are back on Sunday. So this coming Sunday, uh, from 10 to 4, in the Golf Blarney uh, uh, Golf Club. And it's there's free parking and there's free entry as well. And the wonderful thing as well is there's a men crash there. Yes. But we have great artists and crafters coming out. We have painters, we have uh, jewelry makers, and they're all handmade. So from that we have food as well. So there's uh, preserves and so on. Uh-huh. We have beautiful Christmas decorations. Uh, we have uh, woodworks. We have amazing woodworks this time. Uh, you can buy bowls, hand handcrafted bowls. And, and sculptures, absolutely fantastic. I have to say, we're going every year and we're getting more and more talented people on board, which Good. is fantastic. Come, come, come back to the crash. I, like, <laughs> I, I love this. Come back to the men's crash because, you know, Manny's the craft fair that mother and the children have gone off wandering around and himself is there going, OK, OK, exactly. losing exactly. the will to live. <laughs> Tell me about the men's crash. Okay, so it, it started actually a couple of years ago when uh, we, uh, the first time we started in the golf club, because they have a bar next door. Mm-hmm. And and my, uh, one of the ladies who normally would support my events and so on, she said, oh, I would love to come, but my husband gets bored quickly. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're not the only one, but we have a men crash. And I just mentioned it because I didn't want to say it's a pop or it's a bar kind of thing. So I just said, it's men crash. And what happened there is it's, people talked about it. Oh, they have a men's crash. So men's you crash. called the bar the men's yes, crash? Yes. You'd be right, though. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You just place your husband there, go have a nice walk around the stores and everything, and pick him up on the way out. It's a bit like when you go to Kildare Village. Yes, I, go, I go to Starbucks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I mean, you can see something when, when men are really dragged around. They look so bored and helpless and, and out of place, you know. And I want the women to enjoy what they have. I know, they're, I know, they're, it's beautiful, like, but it's another bit of wood. Like, another bit of car, another bowl. Like, we're bo- I want a pint and a packet of crisps, come on. I know, and we'd be surprised. So, yeah, you can go in and you can enjoy it. And there's, like, a nice view 
as well. It's a nice bar. And yeah, you can have coffee or you can have a tea or if you don't drive, you can have also a drink, obviously. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's meant to be patient for everybody. So, and it's quite busy then as well because men really take it up. But, but now, if you're going to have a men's crash on Sunday at, at Blarney Golf Club, please tell us that the men can watch, the, 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 men can, the, big, the big men babies can watch the football. Oh, is, I think there's, oh, there's a telly, I think. I think there's a telly. I'll make sure. I'll make sure there is one. <laughs> <laughs> or else Wi-Fi for the phones so that you watch yeah. on the phones. What is, what is your story about the men crush? Tell me. My story is a few years ago, we were in a beautiful place called Alcudia in Spain. And it has an old town, an old walled town. And inside it is a most lovely market on a Sunday. But there's only so much you can take at 36 <laughs> degrees. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm wandering around and we go up the little alleyway. And all I want is the churros at the top of the road. But there's this oh, wow. shop on the left-hand side. And it's, I just know that my daughter and my missus are going to be in there for the foreseeable. <laughs> so I wandered in behind them and there they are. There's hats and there's bags and there's dresses and there's T-shirts and there's everything. And I said, oh, God. And in the corner, there was a seat under the window and the air conditioning was there. And they had a newspaper and they had a little uh, fridge with drinks in it. And what was it called? It was called the husband's seat. I love that. So I said, lads, I have my book. I'll have a drink. Shop away to your heart's content. Brilliant, brilliant. This is the same idea that we had. Yeah, it, it's just perfect. It, it works well together. And you see happy women and, and, and daughters and stuff. And you have happy husbands as well at the end of the day. So nothing will be better than uh, uh, spending a Sunday afternoon. Fantastic. In the Blarney Golf Club. Fantastic. Great to see. All right. Christmas Craft Fair, Blarney Golf Club, this Sunday, 27th November, 10 till 4, and there's a man crash. It's a bar, right? It's a man crash. I love it. Thanks, Elke. 0818 96 96 96. We have tons of stuff on homework to still get to. Magella, ban it. I hate it having to spend hours trying to help my kids years ago to get through their homework. Time could have been spent in a much nicer way instead of wasting precious years stressed out about maths and spellings. Now, to mind Irish, sure most of us can't speak our native language because of the way it was taught. Stephen says the research supports quality, not quantity of study, and that homework doesn't benefit the child's actual learning. Sweden has one of the best systems in the world, and basically there's little or no homework. The curriculum is also based on contemporary topics. Gwyneth, I love that name. Gwyneth, I didn't force my son to do homework ever. He's now in college, has excellent skills for writing and stuff and keeps up with his work. A much happier kid now. Gillian, not really setting kids up for good work-life balance, is it? Would you encourage adults to bring work home every day? Oh, my God, Julian, the day we don't have to bring work home. That'll be the happy day. The amount of homework my five-year-old got yesterday was just too much, says Leah. The poor thing was just exhausted. He just wanted to chill after school. Rose, I am pro-homework, but ease up on the extra crap that's added on just because you can. My child has three maths books at use at one time. Yeah, that's a bit... That's a bit a bit hefty. Jack says study after study show homeworks is no business or no 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 advantage. Um, Jane, don't do the homework, then fall behind in class, struggle through the education. The school day is short, the curriculum's huge. 
There's just not enough time to get through everything. No, I'm not a teacher, and I don't work in a school or in the department. And we had this one. Where's the other one that I had? I'm after losing that. No, I'm not. Hi, PJ. I'm a mother. I can't work longer hours because of homework hassle. I rarely helped with homework. They had plenty of it. I was there to help if they asked. The result? They did their own research for their own projects. They enjoyed it. Fast forward now to the workplace. Should the workplace is all about projects. That skill set started at age three. It was never a decision between the family dinner and the housework. What about navigating their way through school? Well, primary school homework is not pushing them. It's a lesson for life. If you have Velcro children, you'll have Velcro workers. Reading should start at age three with appropriate books. It's not forcing them at all. Pictures, art, story. Should they're potty trained by five? And the teachers have enough to do anyway. And with that, we leave you. The programme edited by Imar O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. So the question we've thrown out there, the partner, whoever's in your life at the moment, what could you rent them out for? Someone said, I'd send my wife round to other people's houses to whip their husbands oh. into shape. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> She's a personal trainer and never shuts up. <laughs> Morning. That's why Mrs. would make an absolute fortune as an archaeologist. She's so good at digging up the past. <laughs> And Ross in the morning. Get into gear for 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool. Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Open 24-7 at NoDC.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.